0: Welcome to Experience This,
1: where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you
0: even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert
1: Dan Gingis serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer
0: experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us
1: as we discuss the role of gender in artificial intelligence, explaining a printed piece of paper using a video, and taking an online store into the mall. Choosing, perusing, and browsing. Oh, my. There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. As an early adopter of Siri and Alexa, I've been interacting with voice-based assistants for quite a while, Dan, but I realized something the other day that, frankly, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit.
0: Let me guess, your kids are better at using Siri and Alexa than you are.
1: Well, that is absolutely 100% true, and I would freely admit that, Uh, but that wasn't my realization. What I actually realized was that Siri and Alexa and Cortana all come preset to speak with a female voice. Now, I realized this when I came across this episode's CX Press article on FastCompany.com. The article is written by Mark Wilson entitled, The World's First Genderless AI Voice is Here listen now. In the article, Mark describes a joint project between the creative studio Virtue Nordic, the human rights festival Copenhagen Pride, and social scientist Julie Carpenter. It's called Q, and it's pretty remarkable. I could tell you all about it, but I actually think it's better if I let Q speak for itself. Hi, I'm Q, the world's first genderless voice assistant. Think of me like Siri or Alexa but neither male nor female. I'm created for a future where we are no longer defined by gender, but rather how we define ourselves. My voice was recorded by people who neither identify as male nor female, and then altered to sound gender neutral, putting my voice between 145 and 175 hertz, a range defined by audio researchers. But for me to become a third option for voice assistance, I need your help. Share my voice with Apple,
2: Amazon, Google,
1: and Microsoft, and together we can ensure that technology recognizes us all.
2: Thanks for listening, Q.
0: Well, you know, Joey, I'm not entirely sure what I think of this just yet. It is really interesting that you point out that all of the audio assistants are female. I hadn't thought about that before. And even as I think about like how my car talks to me, et cetera, it's always a female voice. So I think that's pretty interesting. I'm wondering whether the answer then becomes that it shouldn't be male or female or that we should have a choice or what. But this certainly was intriguing. Well, and what I think is interesting is we do have a choice. Most
1: people don't realize that you can go into the settings of Siri and Alexa and Cortana and even most cars and change the voice to hear to hear a male speaker. And in some instances, you can even add accents and things like that. But I think the fact that it defaults to a female voice is worthy of a discussion about assumptions that might exist in our society today. And frankly, that do exist in our society today. Because Many people believe that women are expected to carry the burden of remembering schedules and birthdays and phone numbers. Is that why the AI voice is female? Or is it because women are seen as the more caregiving sex and we want AI to nurture and serve us? Is that why they chose a female voice? Or is it because AI increasingly helps us with directions and men are stereotypically bad at asking for directions? Or is it just the case of technology developing at a rapid pace? With teams that grossly lack any gender diversity, that the leading AI tools all default to these female voices. I think it's a conversation and a question that most people don't think about. And I'll admit, like I said, I was a little embarrassed. I hadn't thought about it before reading
0: this article. I think we can end this segment right now because it's definitely about the directions and asking for directions. (laughs) (laughs) That makes the most sense as an answer to me. But the work that the team did in creating Q actually goes beyond a discussion of bias toward female voices as they created a non-binary voice. So I wonder if our listeners would have the same experience that I did when I tried to listen for a masculine or feminine tone. I really couldn't find either, or at some points I found both.
1: You know, I had the exact same experience, Dan, and that's probably because when they developed Q, the team sampled several real voices from non-binary people. They then combined them digitally and created one master voice that cruises along between 145 hertz and 175 hertz. That's right in the sweet spot between male and female normative vocal ranges. So then they took that and tested the voice on more than 4,600 people who identify as non-binary from Denmark, the UK, and Venezuela, and asked them to rate the voice on a scale of one to five, with one being male and five being female. And then they kept tuning the voice with more feedback until it was regularly rated as being a three or gender neutral.
0: I want to stop you there for a second, Joey, just in in case some uh, listeners are confused. When you talk about non-binary people, you're referring to people that don't identify as either male or female? Correct. Correct. So
1: this is something you may have seen more recently in the news, folks. There's a character on the TV show Billions that is non-binary. It's basically an individual who says, regardless of the biological anatomy that they have, they don't associate with either a male gender or a female gender. And it sometimes gets referred to as gender X, right? In fact, I went to the DMV here in Colorado yesterday to renew my driver's license. And one of the things you can do in Colorado is you can select male, female, or X for your gender. So I think what's interesting is if the DMV is making shifts... And your business isn't even thinking about these topics or thinking about you know, the gender biases or even the, the gender aspect of non-binary and how that may play in your business or in your customer base. It's probably not a good sign. The way our assumptions about customers can potentially alienate our customers or even cause them to stop doing business with us is something that more businesses are being called to pay attention to and the best-in-class businesses are addressing these topics head-on today. Having a voice like Q might be a good place to start. Just because you have required elements of your business doesn't mean they need to be boring. It's time to get creative, have some fun, and make people sit up and take notice. Get your customers talking when you make the required remarkable. Years ago, when I had a branding and customer experience design agency, I worked with a company in the energy industry that had a call center, and they asked me to explore ways that they might be able to reduce the volume of calls and hopefully save some money in the process. So I spent some time looking at the data,
0: and guess what I found, Dan? That a significant percentage of their calls were about a single issue or concern. Exactly.
1: The answer was right in front of us. It was in the data. Any guess as to what the calls were about?
0: Well, if I can take my experience in the credit card industry, I'm going to say that it has something to do with the bill they receive every month. You
1: guessed it, brother. Indeed, customers called in because they didn't understand their monthly bill. Now, I know that may seem odd, but the volume of calls from people that didn't understand either what they were being charged or why they were being charged or even how much they were supposed to pay was absolutely staggering.
0: Okay. So we usually focus on the positive here on the uh, experience this show, Joey. So what makes you bring this particular issue up?
1: Well, I was reminded of this past experience because this month I received my regular monthly energy bill from the energy company I have now, and along with it, I received an email. Now, this came from Excel Energy, the company we use here in Colorado to light and heat our home, and it included an explanation video about my bill. Now, we're going to link to the video in the show notes for episode 68 at experiencethisshow.com. But to give you an idea of what the bill covered, here's the audio that runs on the video.
2: Welcome to your video bill explanation. We've analyzed your electric and natural gas use for this month, setting aside bill adjustments like credits or other charges. Your usage compared to last month is lower. This has caused your bill to be lower by the amount shown. Typically, the cost to heat and cool your home accounts for the largest portion of your bill. You may have noticed over the past month, the weather was colder, which can have a significant impact on your bill. The weather this month caused your heating system to run longer and therefore cost more. There may have been other factors that caused your bill to change this month besides the weather and those items previously mentioned. These factors could include changing thermostat settings, changes in appliance use, And changes in the number of people in the home, or could even signal an equipment or system problem. Visit our website on ways you can save energy and money on your next bill. Please give us your feedback on this video bill explanation below.
0: So I think this is totally, totally cool. And I'm proud of you, buddy, because not only did you use less energy, But you saved $47 that month. I saved $47. It was nice.
1: Yeah. So folks, when you listen to the audio, it says you saved money. On the video, they actually flash up the amount so they don't have to re-record the video for every saving. But the fact that they say, hey, look, you saved money, and then they show you how much you saved, like to be candid, and maybe I should do a better job of this, if my energy bill is within a band, it just auto-pays. You know what I mean? Like I know that it's going to fluctuate over the seasons, but to me, as long as it's within a certain range, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. So I didn't necessarily notice that it was $47 lower that month it would have auto-paid and then I might've noticed a month or two later. But the fact that they called it out was kinda nice. I also thought it was cool because, as it turns out, we were out of town for 10 days, so that explains the reduced usage. But I thought it was interesting that they commented on the colder temperatures that might've made my bill more expensive. Now, while this created a little bit of confusion because my bill was actually less expensive, I give them props for trying the video explainer Obviously, we see that their logic tree could use a little more tweaking and a little help, so as to not include that discussion about the higher temperatures or the colder temperatures resulting in more energy use. But at least they were moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and, and this is really—I mean—these videos are done with these variables that are inserted in, and it seems like what happened here is that an extra variable was included, or or maybe you know the the higher temperatures or lower temperatures. Did affect your bill negatively. It's just that the fact that you weren't home off more than offset that, right? So just because the net was a savings, this probably did help you. But I also liked how they called out these potential factors that can contribute to a change, so that you can a be more knowledgeable and then b do something about it. So you know, it was them guessing or at least calling out on things that could impact the bill. But bill, but I liked. How they said that it could be indicative of a piece of equipment that wasn't working properly, for example, because that's not something you would think of immediately. This feels like a great example of proactively anticipating a potential mechanical failure. It feels like they're trying to help you diagnose that before the bill skyrockets or the equipment fails. Joey, didn't you write about explainer videos like this in your book, Never Lose a Customer Again?
1: You know, I did, Dan. And the example I talked about in my book was Comcast. So as part of a four-year, billion-dollar investment in improving their customer experience, Comcast took a hard look at the billing systems and found many of their customers were confused by complicated and complex bills. Again, folks, this is a problem in pretty much every single business. Now, Comcast not only simplified the look of their bills, but they created these personalized Explain My Bill videos, similar to the one that I received from my energy company. And these videos are generated every time there's a change in the customer's behavior. So if the customer signs up for a new service, they buy more pay-per-view, they cancel the service, etc., it generates one of these videos to explain, hey, here's the new bill, here's how the pricing is going to be impacted this effort to enhance the customer understanding reduced call volume at comcast by 10% now to give you an idea you know some people hear 10% they're like oh that's kind of decent but you know it's barely double digits they eliminated 6 million phone calls a year about billing matters and that was in the first year of the program alone this saved comcast customers 2.5 million hours of call time and countless amounts of frustration, not to mention making for a lot better experience for their call center agents who weren't answering the same question again and again How much do I owe and why is my bill this price this month?
0: And, you know, we talked about this last episode, but I love when solutions benefit both sides of the coin in this case this is great for the customer because it's more explanatory it's a better it's a better experience but it's also great for the company because think about how much money you can save by eliminating that many calls and that many uh, hours of call time so that's great for both parties which i love i would be remiss also if i did not tell you that we also talked about comcast in episode 55 and their voice remote (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the episode savant, Dan gingis folks. Yeah, the voice remote, which is another
1: commitment that Comcast has made to enhancing the customer experience. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, I think what my big takeaway from these videos was that sometimes the best way to enhance your customer experience is to look at the required elements of your business like sending bills and invoices, and find ways to make it easier for your customers. I think these type of things exist in pretty much every business on the planet. In this case, they're just trying to give you money. It shouldn't be that challenging for them to figure out how much they owe you and how to easily get the money to you. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty-gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. I actually found myself in a shopping mall the other day, Dan.
0: What's a shopping mall, Joey? (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, right? Remember, you might
1: have seen this in the movie, kids. Uh yeah, it's you know, a collection of stores all built under the same roof. Well, the reason I was there isn't important, but I did see something that I was super excited to talk about on the podcast. I came across my very first Amazon four star store. Have you seen one of these in the wild before, Dan?
0: So I know I have not seen one although I just recently saw like a little Amazon pop-up store but it was only for their products like for you know the Alexa
1: products for example. Right, right. So Amazon's experimenting with a lot of different ideas right now. They have Amazon bookstores. Then they have the Amazon stores where you can walk in and whatever you put into your cart, you know, it's often food type things. It charges you automatically when you walk out. This is yet another experiment I feel like in the retail space and let me describe what the store looks like and don't worry if you want to see pictures go to episode 68 show notes on our website at experiencethisshow.com and you'll see a bunch but the store is located in a traditional storefront at the mall and to be honest is laid out like a regular retail establishment with shelves along the outer walls and a bunch of tables and displays set up throughout the space. Now here's where it gets interesting there were parts of the setup
0: that I loved, but there were parts that I definitely felt could be improved. Well, so not enough for an I love it, I can't stand it assessment though?
1: No, not full on. Okay. It wasn't that bad, but I definitely had some preconceived notions about what a retail space might be. And it ended up in some ways living up to those and in some ways not. And I just thought it might be interesting for us to talk about.
0: Well, yeah. And especially preconceived notions when the name Amazon is on it, which I would imagine would change your expectations quite a bit. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So let's let's talk about some of the positive things first. I loved that Amazon is trying some real world, in real life, physical stores where I can go and see the items that have received four stars or higher. So that's the criteria. Everything in the store has received reviews of four star or higher. So you know, it's quote unquote, their best products. They also had this really interesting thing where they have digital price tags on all the items that update in real time to match the website. I found this fascinating and intriguing, and there were multiple people in the store that were kind of watching the price tag and seeing if it would change. Now, it's obviously not changing every second, but the fact that they can change all the pricing in the store to match online kind of addresses one of the major issues that a lot of retail places are facing, which is You know, I go into a store lots of times, a bookstore, and I'll look at a book and I'll open the Amazon app and see how much it costs on the Amazon app. And as a general rule, it's usually significantly cheaper. So I take a photo of the book and I order it on Amazon when I get home. Wait, you, you do that too? I do that too. Every, everybody does this, right? And so I think the fact that they just kind of acknowledge this and they put the digital price tags on it eliminates that, which is no surprise because they are the biggest store in the world, right, in that regard. The other thing that I thought was really fantastic was that the staff... Was super friendly. They were very welcoming. They actually were explaining the concept of the store. They asked if I needed anything. And what was interesting is when they didn't have the thing I asked about, so I asked, you know, do you have those little security covers for the laptop camera? Because they had a whole section of tech stuff. The sales associate said, we really should have something like that. And I'm surprised we don't. What was great is that he showed empathy, kind of missed an opportunity to say something like, I'll suggest that to management, or I'll see if we can get that in in the future. But the fact that they were just striking up a conversation and being friendly really stood out, especially given most retail experiences that one would have in a mall, where it seems like the sales staff is almost irritated that you've come into the store.
0: Well, and also... What's fascinating about this is that this is what you don't get with the traditional Amazon experience, right? You don't get that human element because it's all online. And that can be great because it's fast and it's cheap and all that. And I was wondering when you introduced this story about what the staff was going to be like, because we know that Amazon does a great job of customer service and customer experience online, but very few of us have ever talked to a human being at Amazon. And so it stands to reason that they would also be good at hiring in real life.
1: Yeah, one would hope and at least in my experience that was the case, which I I thought was great and and that part definitely lived up to the Amazon brand. If I may, I'd love to segue into some of the things that kind of didn't live up to the Amazon brand,
0: at least in this initial visit for me. Well, as always, Joey, you do not need my permission.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. But you know, I I want to be very clear. I'm not being critical. By the way, I'm an Amazon stockholder, right? So I want Amazon to do well. But I think they're experimenting. And anytime a brand is experimenting, we want to give them time to enhance the experiment, right? And improve the experience. So when I walked into the store, first of all, and you can see this in the photos, I definitely encourage folks to go check out the photos on the show notes. There is a ton of stuff in this store. I mean, a ton of stuff. And it didn't really seem that organized or categorized well. It was kind of weird. Like The books were next to the cooking materials. And you know, the tech stuff was all the way in the back, but then there was some tech stuff on a kiosk in the front. And it just... It lacked the clean, crisp online interface, which I've come to appreciate at Amazon. And it just was a little bit of a brand disconnect for me. In fact, I found myself comparing it to the Apple Store, which I realize is a really unfair comparison because Apple has a handful of products and Amazon has hundreds of thousands of products. But by comparison, because there's actually an Apple Store in this mall as well, the Apple Store is really clean and sleek and there's you know just a few individual products that you're excited to see, whereas the Amazon Store felt like, well, here's a bunch of stuff that you might be interested Interested in.
0: Yeah. And it's, which is kind of the Amazon way, right? Is that we have everything in the world. Exactly. But I think in their branding
1: and saying, well, these are the four star items is an effort to say, we're not going to show you everything. I almost wondered what it would be like to have the Amazon 4.9 store right? Or like, what would it be like if they truly only showed the five-star items? Would they have enough to fill a store? I imagine they would, but I don't know how that works in terms of the retail traffic. So that was kind of interesting. The last thing I'll comment on, when I was leaving the store, they had one of those little kiosks where you could push the buttons and give a review on what our experience was like. I thought that was great, and especially because Amazon is so well-known for reviews. I wanted them to have stars on the buttons instead of faces, right? I wanted, because Amazon is so about the one to five star review, I wanted to be able to give the store a four star review or a five star review. I probably would have done a four. And it would have been really cool if after you did that, it prompted you if you wanted to write a review. Because I think what that would do is not only get them some interesting reviews and some interesting feedback for their store and their concept but it would condition me as an amazon shopper i don't i buy a lot of stuff on amazon and i rarely if ever do reviews i feel like doing one in the real world might incentivize me or make it easier for me to do one for an online purchase in the future
0: yeah i agree and i i think another interesting thing and i haven't been to one of these stores but I wonder if they could do something to recommend to you alternatives that you can go on to Amazon and order and obviously if you're a prime member have in 2 days or even you know sometimes it's same day delivery for free and therefore sort of expanding the walls of the physical location to be broader because you might be walking around saying well you know darn it I don't they don't have that security cover for my laptop but if there was some way for them to say and here it is you know just hit go and I would have bought it right there I would have bought
1: it right there. I totally agree with you. You know, and I realize I'm saying I would have bought it. I would have purchased it is probably better grammar. Sorry, since I know we have some grammarians that listen... I would have in it. Yeah, I would have purchased it is the way I would get out of that <laughs> grammatical snafu. But yeah, that's a perfect example, Dan, of how they could continue to enhance it. But I will say, I love that Amazon is pushing the envelope. I love that they're experimenting with new offerings like these real-world bookstores and now the four-star stores. If their behavior online is indicative of how they're going to approach these physical stores, I expect that there's going to be a great deal of iteration and enhancement in the weeks and months to come. And so my review of the four-star store, well, somewhere between a three and four stars today in its current design, with a clear opportunity to move to five stars in the not-too-distant future. We've talked. You've listened. Now it's time to act. There are many things you could do to take what you've learned in this episode and implement it. But at times, that can feel overwhelming. Instead, why not just focus on three takeaways? Takeaway number one. Have you explored how gender assumptions may be negatively impacting your organization? The new genderless voice of Q offers a fascinating example of how changing assumptions can create more inclusive, more intriguing offerings. What are you doing to consider the role gender plays in your product and service offerings? How can you be more conscious of the wide variety of customers and employees that you interact with and how they may view your assumptions or non-conscious decisions when deciding whether or not they want to do business with you?
0: Takeaway number two, are you constantly looking for ways to make doing business with you easier? If your customers don't understand their invoices or bills, you're preventing them from paying you which has a tremendous impact on cash flow and the long-term sustainability of your enterprise. What are you doing to make understanding your charges and fees easier? Do you proactively let customers know when their bill is going to be higher or lower and then offer insight as to why and suggestions for how to get it back to normal? Every business has a required component around billing and or collecting revenue. When was the last time you explored these parts of your operation to make sure you were creating remarkable experiences for your customers? Takeaway number three, are you
1: willing to try bold new things? The number one online retailer in the world is actively and aggressively rolling out physical real-world offerings, taking the best elements of their online brand, things like great pricing that shifts with demand, seamless service, and a search functionality that puts the highest ranking items at the top, Amazon is forging into new offerings. They aren't afraid to learn as they go, and they aren't afraid to take risks. Are you like Amazon or are you stuck in delivering business as usual? What could you do to explore new ways to interact with your customers in new places, especially when it comes to the venues and formats that your brand
0: is not currently known for? And those are the three takeaways for this episode. If you listen to the show regularly, and we know many of you do, but haven't had the chance yet to give us a review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it if you would take just a few minutes. It really does take less than five minutes. And zip over there to share your thoughts. One of the best ways for podcast listeners to be exposed to our show is with listener reviews. And the more reviews, the better we will do on Apple search listings. As always, thank you for your support and thanks for listening. Wow,
1: thanks for joining us for another episode of
0: Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our
1: discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part
0: of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience
2: This.